today, our, uh, our, our journey of, of connecting um, with Christ, or connecting with, with God, I think is the, the most central element of, of connecting with God. And I'm going to um, ask for your uh, uh, participation again. Um, we did this last week. For those who were here, if you have um, any kind of texting uh, capacity, the number uh, to text me is 513-235-4011. 513-235-4011. And I promise... Uh, a number of you texted me last week during the course of the, the sermon. I promise I'm not collecting numbers and selling them. You know, so if I need to give you a privacy statement or whatever those things are, I'll, I'll do that. And I appreciate that you won't do the same uh, with, uh, with mine. Um, and, and today, I have a, just at the beginning, I have a particular question um, just to engage your imagination for a moment. And um, you know, feel free, uh, you know, have to send it up here. And I promise I don't, uh, won't share your, if your name pops up or anything like that, I won't share that with, with others, um, just uh, maybe what, what you said. Um, now you really want to know what I'm going to ask you, uh, don't you? Well, you'll, you'll have to uh, wait just a moment. Um, uh, last week, as we're connecting with God, first and foremost, God, you know, show me that you are real. And that's what we asked God to do last week and um, uh, share with you beginning of the service, way that God just you know, upside, knocked me upside the head um, with that reality um, and hope that he did uh, with you as well. Um, and today, it, it's one where we, we look not only is God real, but then how does God relate to me, to us? What is his, his core character? Um, and that's what we're going to ask God to show us, to reveal to us, to, to move from the, the head to the heart, that, that core character of who um, God is. Um, so um, the initial question is, is to imagine. Imagine that God is thinking about you. What does God feel? When you come into his mind. What does God feel when you come into God's mind? How do you assume that uh, he would feel? Love and compassion and anticipation. No, uh, a father. Patience. A work in progress. Even happiness. Even proud. As we walk through a number of passages, and feel free as you're interacting with this, if you want to text me. I don't. Sometimes, you know, I'm not that great of a multi-texter. Um, but folks did in the first service, and there are a few things. If I remember, I'll come. 
to them and share just some of the interaction that we had in this way of making the move because we know we sing about it and we know you know God is love and, and, and we, we know it up here but the real journey and our journey for this week is that that, that knowledge become really a heart knowledge, a soul knowledge. Um, in a way, uh, some folks would say it moves into that place of being an unconscious competence of living in the love of God. And that's, that's our, our prayers. We'll walk through a number of passages that highlight that, that demonstrate that that is God's core. That, that is the essence of God, as we'll see through these uh, um, passages. Um, our first passage is going to be in 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Um, I invite you to turn there, page 991, and let's, uh, let's pray together. Gracious God, um, we, we know and we hear and we, we believe that you are love and that you love us. Um, and so we, we ask now that you would continue the power of your spirit to make that real in the depths of our soul. Um, and uh, to, that you would, would, would so invade us that it, it's uh, who we become um, in you. Um, that our connection with you would be that strong. So uh, do what is necessary as we gather around your word to, to continue to take that connection and make it um, stronger and stronger um, so that you are more and more alive in us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, 1 John uh, chapter 4, um, starting with uh, verse 9, verse, verse 9 and 10. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, this is, in a sense, the, the show-me verse. You know, we can say God is love, but what we do, we know, we, we know a tree by its fruits. And, and here is John telling us, you want to know who God is, then look at His greatest act, and here it is. His greatest act is that God sent His Son in order to die for undeserving people. For broken sinners, for those who have turned away from Me. God sent His Son so, for, to those that had turned away from Him so that His Son could die for us. Pay the price for our sin. Get what we deserve so that we then could get what His Son deserved. His, his atoning sacrifice means that, 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 that He has taken care of our brokenness and the satisfied what we deserved, taking our penalty so that we might get His reward. That is the, the love of God and how it's demonstrated in its clearest, most precise, ultimate way in the death and resurrection of Jesus. That God chooses an undeserving people, sends a son to die for our rescue. 
Now, it's not just at the, the end of the book that this is the case. This is the, the core of God since the, the very beginning. If you look back in Exodus, um, Exodus chapter 34, um, we, um, th- this uh, part of the events of God with God's people, um, uh, Moses is the one that God has chosen to be the leader of God's people. And he's, he's led them out of slavery. They were enslaved for hundreds of years. And he's, he's taken them through that. He's taken them, he split the Red Sea. They've, they've gone through the sea. And then he closed the sea on the Egyptians so that they were freed from their slavery. And now they're, they're in the wilderness. And, and God has sent to Moses, here are the, the Ten Commandments. Here are the ways that you now you're, you're to live um, with one another. And while Moses is on the mountain with God, the, the people whom God has already done all this for are down there making a golden calf and they're worshiping a calf having this a party and um, probably doing some things that they shouldn't be doing a lot of things that they shouldn't be doing having turned their back on God and made their um, made their own God out of this golden calf while God is meeting with Moses and as Moses comes down he sees what has happened and he throws the tablets down and they crash and he intercedes for his people and God connects with Moses again and says Moses go ahead cut another tent cut another two tablets bring them back up the mountain and here's what we're going to do that's where we pick up in chapter 34 and we'll pick up uh, verse 5 as Moses has gone up he has the now the the new tablets of stone the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name, the Lord. This is a key point here in, in the events because here's, here's where so we've seen in the end of the story that we know a tree by its roots. We know God's sacrificial love by what he does. Well, now here in the beginning, he's telling us his name. He's telling us who he is, what he's about by the, the Lord. The Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, yet by no means clearing the guilty, but visiting the iniquity of the parents upon the children and the children's children. In the third and fourth generation. So so here we get the full spectrum of God who who says He's abounding in steadfast love to the thousandth generation. But not so that He just overlooks sin and brokenness and evil. It doesn't just, it's not a cheap grace. It's not just, well, I'll overlook all of that stuff. No, what, what happens in our own selfishness and our brokenness is evil. And it is to, to be destroyed ultimately. And he says that from the beginning. But recognize this, two things. This is all in God's love. There's not, well, God's love is the first part of the paragraph and then there's God's judgment in the second. No, God's judgment is part of God's love. And we, we see that here and throughout the Scriptures in that God disciplines those that He loves. I mean, His judgment, judge, when in God's judgment, that is an act of love because in God's judgment, anything we're doing that is not in alignment with God is that which is evil, is that which that hurts us, is that which takes us from the life that God wants us to live. 
So it's all an act of God's love. And then ultimately, as we saw in the very beginning, where the proof is in the pudding, that God even took care of that judgment himself. By, in a sense, coming down from the bench and taking his place on the cross. And that's the full extent of the steadfast love of God. When God chooses to name himself, that's what he says. Merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Keeping steadfast love for the thousandth generation. And even, even there, you know, there's a thousandth generation and then there's the third and the fourth. But God is full and complete in His steadfast love. That is never-ending from beginning and end. That is the character of God. And what we have to recognize first and foremost is that our brokenness, our sin is not going to change the character of God. There is nothing that you can do to make God love you any less. Absolutely nothing, because you cannot change the character of God. He is merciful, gracious, abounding in steadfast love. Even, get this, even joyful when we come to Him in our sin. Throwing a party at our repentance, at our brokenness, when we come to Him with that. Luke chapter 15. Nothing more. You'll be back and forth uh, having to pick out where all these uh, passages are. But, But here... The, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, you know, they, they don't get this either. They, they, they fully can't grasp the steadfast love, the gracious mercy of God. Even in his, the fullness of His righteousness is a part of His love. And what we see in Luke 15, the first uh, ten verses. All the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Him, to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders in Jesus' day, they were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. See, they, they were saying, you know, God has a special place for the good. The good ones have a, a higher place uh, with God. And, and if, if this Jesus guy knew that, he wouldn't be hanging out with these people. But the problem is they had it wrong. So Jesus tells them this parable. Which one of you? Having a hundred sheep and losing one of them does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when when he found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, these will be, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, She calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. 
Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. See, God's joy isn't, isn't just when we come to Him when we're sitting in church. God's joy is when we're in the mess and we turn to Him. When we're in our brokenness and sin, He rejoices. And if you know the, the, the rest of the story, there's another parable right after that. It's a story of a father with his two sons. And one of the sons goes and runs out, does his own thing. And as he comes back after li- losing all that he has in dissolute living, he comes back and the father runs to greet him. It's not... You know, here, here's, the, here's my problem with fully grasping this forgiveness of God, this steadfast love, this God who's slow, so slow to anger, is that I think of God and, and God's forgiveness like I think of my forgiveness. Or ways that we... And, and usually that forgiveness is a forgiveness that comes begrudgingly. You know? Yeah, I'm like, all right, yeah, you did that, and I know that I need to forgive you. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive you. Because... I know I'm supposed to, and, and Jesus says, if I don't, he's not going to forgive me, so I want Jesus to forgive me, and then on top of that, I'm a pastor, so I'm supposed to forgive you. So, okay, you know, I'll, I'll forgive you. And that, that's how I forgive. You know, or, or it's, it's more like, well, it's about time, you know, sort of high and mighty. About time you ask for forgiveness. You know, I was wondering when you were going to come around. And I just think that's the way I'm going to forgive until Jesus comes back and totally glorifies um, uh, me and uh, and His power. But that's not the way God forgives. And can you believe that? That if today you found yourself yesterday, the day before, and you were wrapped up in evil, and you came back to God, can you believe that God would run to you and celebrate your presence with Him? That's the steadfast love of God. That's the grace and mercy of God. And what we we want is for that to move from the head to the heart. For that to move to to the soul. And I did have a couple um, texts. Let's see. Yeah, some... Look, somebody said, yeah, my problem is that I I feel like he should be disappointed in me. And I hang out in that. Even though he just smiles. Grace undeserved, yet grace unfelt. Not because it's not given by him, but because I can't imagine the greatness can be so great. That's what we long for. Is to, to feel that, that, that grace. And you know, it, it must have been the same in, um, in Paul's day. Because that was one of the subjects of his prayers, or actually one of the most common subjects of Paul's prayers, is that God's people would experience that truth. Would, would know that which is unknowable. Ephesians uh, chapter 3 Starting with verse 14. I 
after he's shared with them the, the fullness of the good news of God's love for them and, and the fact that that love unites them as one people um, in Jesus, that his, his grace, his, his love is so great that it pulls them together, that then he, he prays in, in verse 14 um, and, and following. For, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with a power that is through His Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in His love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Isn't that great? I want you to know that which is unknowable. I want you to know that which surpasses your knowledge. If you just try to think about it, you can't. It's got to be what we receive and what we live into and what the Spirit does to us. It's a thing that we receive, not something we figure out. And while we are dependent on Him to make that capacity of receiving grace and abounding love within us, we just don't humanly have that capacity. Unless He makes it happen with us. And so why I'm so excited about the exercises this, this week. That, that we'll, we, we'll sit with God. We'll sit with His Word over and over again. Different ways that He proposes to us. Gives us different pictures of ways that He is indeed our Creator. And our Lover. And our Gracious Forgiver. And, and wants to form us in that same, that same love. So that, the last part, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you might know that which is unknowable and might be filled with, with that that is uncontainable. A Christian from a couple hundred years ago, a guy named A.W. Tozer, said this, We've substituted theological ideas for a resting encounter. Our lives are filled with the religious notions, but our great weakness is that for our hearts, no one is there. That's what Paul is praying for the church then, and what Paul is praying for us. I'm just going to ask the um, ushers to go ahead and uh, pass out, distribute. Um, our uh, assignments for this week. And again, what we're seeking to do this week and, and during this series is um, it's been throughout the, the church and throughout uh, God's people that we, they set aside time uh, in order to, to, just, to be with God, to connect with God, to set things apart, to be with His Word and, and connect with Him. And so this, this week, I invite you in the morning to, to read uh, through this. And what you'll see, there's a list of passages that are here. Just read one or two a day. Maybe one in the morning, one in the evening. But this is the way of getting the, the information, the truth of God's Word. That is so different from the ways of the world that are the ways that we, that we make up. 
But get that truth within us and sit with those, that passage. Just sit with that for a few minutes and maybe um, uh, read it a couple times. And, and when, just relax, try to set aside the distractions and just let the, the Spirit flow through you and to your inner person. Um, let the Spirit within you, you know, cry out to you, within you, that God is indeed your Abba um, Father. And, and just live with that during the course of this, uh, this week. Uh, live with these passages. Sit with them. And when your mind wanders, notice I didn't say if, when. Then, then come back uh, to the passage and, and read it again. Let this be what is the fuel for your soul. And let our prayer be every morning. God, help me know in my heart, mind, and spirit. That you love me. God, let me know in my heart, mind, and spirit that you love me. And then in the evening, just reflect on that. What were, what were ways? Maybe in the, the passage or things that came up throughout the day that, that corresponded to that. Let's, let's see again how God hears our cries and answers um, them. May our prayer with, with Paul be that in, in a way that's beyond our capacities, we are so touched by God's Spirit that, that we know that, that we belong to Him no matter what. And there's nothing we can do. Nothing we can do to diminish His love, His hold upon us. Amen.